Welcome to the Tech Byte podcast from the Packet Pushers. Today we're talking global IP backbones and 400 gig with sponsor Telia Carrier. Telia Carrier recently spun off from the Swedish telecom Telia company, and they're ready to compete for your IP business here in the United States. The company offers a variety of services from multiple pops in the States. And here to tell us more is Matthias Friedstrom. He is VP and Chief Evangelist at Telia Carrier. Uh, Matthias, welcome to the podcast. And for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with Telia Carrier, can you give us like the brief overview? Yeah, thank you very much for being here. You know, yeah, as you said, you know, Telia Carrier is one of the largest internet backbones. That's what we are famous for, the carrier and wholesale business that we do. But since a couple of years ago, you know, the, the enterprises are more and more using cloud services and public internet services. And therefore, you know, we're turning our company in that direction as well. It doesn't mean that we'll leave the carrier wholesale space, but we will also focus on enterprise services for the large amount of capacity that they need. Okay, so if I'm an enterprise company looking for IP services for backbone services for cloud access, you've got something for me potentially. Absolutely. I think we would be an ideal choice for you. Uh, if you're after any, any type of connectivity between your, yourself and your headquarter or wherever you need your connectivity to go, we would be an ideal choice for you. And obviously you've got roots in Sweden, but you've built out a global backbone. So what kind of services are you offering in the States and, and where do you have points of presence? Yeah, we have uh, more, more than 100 points of presence in the US. I think I counted 105 this morning. So we're practically everywhere. We're also in Mexico and Canada. So we, we cover the North American market really well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would say, you know, if you're after any type of internet connectivity, you know, could be IP Transit if you're an ISP or IP Connect, IP Connect if you're an enterprise uh, and you need to use your software as a service applications on the internet, we would be an ideal choice for you to connect to. But of course, if, you, if you're only after transport services between your, uh, your offices around the world or your headquarters around the US, we would be a good choice for you as well. You know, any, any type of connectivity or connection to the internet is, is really what we do and what we're famous for. So I know in a recent blog, and we'll have a link to it in the show notes, uh, Telia Carrier was touting your, your adoption of, of 400 gig. Why is that important to Telia Carrier? And actually, more importantly, why should potential customers care? I think, you know, we, we need to keep up with the traffic growth. We, we saw a 58% traffic growth in, in 2020 during the pandemic. You know, when everyone started to work from home, everything shifted to being more in the cloud and so on. You need to keep up with the traffic growth. So for us to keep up with our customers and their need for traffic, we just need to upgrade our backbone. The next step in our backbone upgrade is 400 gig, which is, of course, extremely important. I would say very few enterprises are on that level right now if you mm -hmm. don't if you kind of exclude Amazon and, and Facebook from the enterprise sector. But more and more companies start coming towards this. You know, they need large bandwidth for big file transactions or big things that need large connectivity. So I would, for us, it's a natural step to grow our network. It is also a very good thing, you know, because part of our cost is, is cross-connect inside data centers. You know, you need to pay the data center owner a lot of cross-connect fees. So when you go from, from an, a lot of 100 gig or 10 gig Trans, uh, transport services into 400 gig, you also lose a lot of cross-connect and you thereby save a lot of money, which of course in the end is good for our customers because someone needs to pay for these cross-connects in the end. And if it's not us, then it's not our customers as well. So 400 gig is a very, very important step for us in our growing network needs. Uh, Greg, you've got a favorite saying that bandwidth tends to solve most problems. No, bandwidth solves all networking problems. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the question is, bandwidth is the answer. And so when you talk about things like 400 gig, see, it, it, and this is really simple to understand in a way, like if I drive down a motorway and it was 30 miles an hour, if I increase it to 60 miles an hour, then it, but it's only one lane, it goes twice as fast. 
But when you change the speed of the network from 100 gig to 400 gig, not only are you increasing from one lane to four lanes, so four lanes of 100 gig ineffectively because the flow is distributed evenly, but you're also increasing the speed from 100 miles an hour to 400 miles an hour. So every time you upgrade the bandwidth, you're actually improving the performance in two dimensions. And that's why this more bandwidth solves all networking problems. It reduces latency. It increases reaction times because the trip out and back is so much shorter. It allows more companies, more customers, more endpoints, more traffic to flow because the whip has increased. And that's why when companies like Telia take this very mature approach to this and say, the answer is bandwidth, stable, secure, high volume, lots of it. And that's what we do. We don't try and turn it into some mystical service with incantations for Quas or whatever. That's we provide bandwidth. That's why I'm on board with that approach. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't have said it better. How far are you in your 400 gig deployment, particularly here in North America? I think in, in North America, we're starting to upgrade most of the backbone routes. So that's, you know, between the large data centers or the large, practically the large cities in US, that's happening. Then, of course, uh, as we speak about 400 gig, there's also a new technology coming out. That's the 400 gig ZR, which is a different version of the 400 gig that we talked about before. You know, uh, this is putting more features into a plug that you can put into a router. You, you actually put part of the DVDM equipment, the optical gear into the plug of the router. And that's a new technology that's coming onto the market this year. Uh, we've ordered our first stuff of that, but we haven't implemented it yet because it's not sort of generally available from all the suppliers. Uh-huh. We worked with Cisco and Acacia during the Christmas period to test it in our network, and it's actually going to work. And what you really do then is you can you kind of replace your Metro DVDM stuff. The, you, you replace the, the Metro DVDM highways between data centers within the city by shooting directly from a router to another router in that city. And for us who are in as I said in the in the beginning, in about 100 places in the US, it means that we can probably be in 200 places in a year's time with very little less cost. Uh, we, you know, you buy the pluggables, you ignore the DVDM layer in between data centers inside a city and you shoot from router to router. You obviously still mean, you, you still need the fibers between the data centers, mm-hmm. but that's less of a cost than than buying a lot of optical expensive stuff. So this new technology is extremely exciting for us. And of course, everything our customers want is more connectivity at less cost. Uh, and this is a perfect way for us to do that. You just said something really interesting there. You're actually suggesting that the cost of the optical equipment that goes onto the fiber is actually the biggest cost now. The fiber in the ground is not as expensive or is not the, like uh, it's been a, a paradigm for the last 20 years that trenching the fiber in the ground is expensive and hard. And that's where the money is. And you're now saying that the balance is now shifting back to the optical components that go into the edge. The optical components has always been a, a high cost, but you're right when you say that the, the, the fiber is also an extremely expensive cost. And if you think about building fibers between New York and Chicago, that's very expensive to build uh-huh. new fibers there. But yeah. if you think about building fibers inside a city, yeah, that's that's expensive, but it's evenly expensive to put the DVDM on top of that one. If we now can ignore that DVDM layer and shoot directly from a router to router instead of having something that, that right. transports the traffic in between, you actually install the laser and the, the processor into a plug that you put into a router and thereby replacing the entire DVDM box with a small, small plug. That technology is breakthrough. Right. So this is the strategic shift is where before it would have been router, optical, fiber optic, optical box, router. 
we're now seeing this what they call IP optical. I think is the term some people some companies exactly. use, which is yeah, the SFP becomes an optical launch, a DWDM straight in the router, and it's exactly. IP over a DWDM, and that changes yeah. the cost dramatically. Is what you say? It really does. And then, of course, you know, they've, they've standardized this, so they fit everything into a QSFB DD pluggable, which means that you use the same plug as you use normally. So we don't need to change any of our IP routers out there because uh-huh. this one is just going to fit into them. Uh, and that's a revolutionizing way of building networks, especially less than 40 kilometers. You know, the technology mm. thinks it can go all, all the way up to 120 kilometers. But I think, you know, just having it for 40 kilometers within the city is, is going to be fantastic for us. And this whole the whole point of this optical and IP convergence partly is that it becomes uh, it's cheaper for you to upgrade, but that means you can also pass on those savings to folks who want to use your services. Absolutely, one of the biggest costs when we sell to an enterprise is the cross connect fee that we have to pay to an enterprise to a data center owner or the fiber across the city because we are not in exact the same locations as the enterprises are. What happens now is that we can be in many more locations instead of being in four locations in Chicago, we can be in ten locations in Chicago thereby meeting every enterprise in Chicago where they are and not tell them, you know, oh, great, we're on the other side of the city, but we'll bring you there. <laughs> it's going to cost you a fortune, but you'll be connected. Now we can connect them wherever they are. So it, also, it also changes the way you use internet exchange points or telehousing, you know, where you can be in so many more places because you don't need so much space. You could have literally a one RU router with an optical interface. Whereas before you would have needed half a rack and a, with an optical box, with a shelf, you know, and the line cards and all that sort of stuff. Now it's just a router. So it gives yeah, you the ability to, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. And, and if you look into a carrier or a wholesaler and their cost structure, I can say that power and space are actually quite high cost for us. And if we now need a lot less space and a lot less power, a lot less spare parts, a lot less of everything, just so much better. I think you also raise an interesting point about physical location because you know when we throw up a, a diagram on the whiteboard, there's a cloud and it's just there. But you're talking about even within you know in in the the denseness of a city like Chicago, the location can actually matter. The physical location of where my colo is, one side of town or the other, can really make a difference cost wise. Absolutely, no, absolutely. There's you know fibers are not for free, and and people who build these fibers, especially building in the side of city, is quite expensive. You need to sort of stop the traffic on the city for a while, and you need to dig it down and so on. That's actually a cost, and these guys want their money back uh, in a nice way. So I think I think that's something that hits us as wholesalers, and and thereby you know we push it on to our customers. Another thing I think is interesting here is just how fast Cisco has been willing to adopt 400 gig and move to actually converge around the modules here and bring the, and you have actually, one of the things about Telia is actually how quickly you move to adopt new technologies. Yeah, no, I think that for us to be in the forefront of technology and to be in the forefront and and in our customer experience, I think we need to push the limits all the time. And I think we're not Mm -hmm. afraid of testing things in our network. It's only really when you test things that you understand how they work. So I think, you know, we're very prone to test new stuff. Uh, And this new technology was something that we saw immediately, you know, wow, there's a use case for us here immediately. Let's test it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Greg, uh, Yeah, three, two. I just want to ask a question here. Can I use these new coherent optical interfaces that go into routers? And I still need new line cards in routers or specific routers that support these modules. They're not, you know, Ethernet SFPs. They're quite specialized and 
and unique. But can I use them on existing fiber? Do I actually need to rebury the fiber, or is it just literally a case of rotating out the equipment at the edge? I mean, for where? No, absolutely. You, you, it's the, it's the equipment at the edge you need to you need to change. Uh, I would say most of the stuff we already have in there are capable of taking on these pluggables even now. You know, QS, QSFP plugs have been there for for a long time, so may, many of our routers are already prepared for this. But the mm. fibers in between are going to be perfect. You know, even fibers installed 20 years ago are still good enough to, to use for this. You know, there's, there's a lot of research in fiber and a lot of new stuff that we talk about, you know, hollow core and dual core and all that stuff. But so far, the, the normal single mode fibers that is in every city around is still nice and, and works really well. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess I feel like I have to ask, ask you the obligatory question about the pandemic and distributed work. Um, we're seeing more employees splitting time between home and office, and it seems like that may be the way going forward. Are, do you anticipate that these kind of changes are going to have an effect on the broader WAN market where you compete? I, I absolutely think it has. Uh, I think more and more companies are realizing that it actually, it, it, you can work from home and it's going to be perfectly fine to work from home. I think in the beginning we saw uh, a lot of them do major upgrades to to cloud services and so on. But now I see that more and more of them understand that the public internet will probably bring their end users to the clouds where they have their applications. And, and mm. that's going to change the way people think about their WANs. You know, WANs in the, in the past were extremely difficult and, and, and complicated networks privately built for them. I think more and more people will realize, you know, yeah, most of my trouble can actually go on the public internet. And if I do have my applications in the cloud and people reach the cloud through public internet, you know, why not? Yeah. There's certain stuff, certain data you don't want to have out there. You know, maybe your financial data should go directly to a cloud through an MPLS circuit. But I think most of the traffic you can actually leave on the public internet and, and be fine. Yeah. I call it the permissionless network. I don't need permission to use the internet. I don't need a telco to provision me a service and have their permission to connect from here to here. I want to use the public network. I think the other part here is not so much about distributed work, the idea that people are going to return the work or work from different offices like around the place. But I think the other issue which people haven't yet glommed onto is that the nature of communication between companies is going to change as well. And that is we're going to be using much more video conferencing for company to company, for customer to sales and within supply chains and talking about how do we move supply chains. So where before, you know, uh, there's that famous meeting in Apple where they were talking about something and the person said, yes, well, I'll go to China and get that sorted out. And 10 minutes later, Steve Jobs turned around to the person and said, why are you not already on your way to the airport? I mean, why would you go to the airport, right? <laughs> so I think this, this, and bandwidth solves all of these problems. There's a lot of people out there saying, oh, we need special low latency networking. And I'm like, well, you only need low latency networking in extremely niche use cases or if there wasn't enough bandwidth to start. Yeah, no, you're perfectly right. And I, I, I was amazed the amount of traffic that we sold to these um, video conferencing companies. And that traffic is still growing. It's, it's just, you know, I checked the numbers for, for April and May 2021, and that traffic is still growing through the major video conferencing, meaning that people are haven't started traveling yet and are still using these type of things. And I think if I look at our company, you know, there's so many things we will never travel for anymore. Uh, mm. Some customers you need to meet sometimes but most of the meetings you don't need to meet uh in, in private you can meet over video video works just so fine. this is Perfect. where companies and so from your point of view you would be reaching out to enterprises saying 
please come and connect to our backbone because we've got this technology and these features. Absolutely. We have an ecosystem connected to us, you know, so security companies, cloud companies, software as a service companies, pretty much everyone is connected to our network. So if they just connect to our network, they can have this smorgasbord of of all the connections we have and and take advantage of them, you know. Mm. And there's just one thing I want to mention here. Telia Carrier is now only focused on this backbone. They're not interested in business services or enterprise services. You just want to sell the bandwidth. We just want to sell the bandwidth. We obviously, if, if someone comes and says, you know, could you could you please help us with some managed stuff? We can do that for them. But if they want us to run their applications or anything, no, that's not for us. You know, we're connectivity mm-hmm. and we want to be the best in the world on connectivity and connectivity only. So that's what we're after. So Matthias, if folks want to find out more or get a little bit more information, where would you send them? I would absolutely send them to our teleacarrier.com webpage. I think they can find anything they they need there. Uh, That's the best source of information if they want to know more about us. All right. That's teleacarrier.com. We'll also have some links in the show notes with links to blogs and other information. Uh, Thank you, Matthias, for joining us. And thanks to Telia Carrier for being a sponsor. Sponsored shows help us make everything we do at Packet Pushers possible. Speaking of which, if you like this episode, there are many more fine, free technical podcasts along with our community blog. It's all at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. Find us on LinkedIn and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.